Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Leaf says hi. Hi, Leaf. So we didn't even have anybody. We weren't even on yet, and there's already a thing in Q and A, and it's Leaf. Hi. Leaf. <gasps> Talk about panic. Already a question. We haven't even said hi yet. I know. It's a day. It is such a day. Uh, tell me. Okay. Kevin has a broken clavicle. I know. I saw. <laughs> did you see the x-rays yeah I did and they did not admit him and schedule a surgery with the doc on call at which point I have this little badge that switch switches from Dr. Mom to Dr. Carol yeah and sometimes that happens fast so yeah I warn patients I did that twice yesterday oh. with, and it's usually with new patients it's like at the end of that visit, when their pain's down from a seven to a two, and you start giving them, okay, this is your homework advice. Okay, here's the thing. Once you walk through that door, you see, I'm Italian. And once you walk through the door, you're family. I, that's how this goes. So I can switch from Dr. Mom to Dr. Carol, but you, I'll let you know when, I, when it switches. It's pretty fun. And it was so fun this week, but you're driving the bus. So what, where are we? No, going? no. Kevin is on my list actually for today. So that's Very good. Because how could we not talk about Kevin? Do we have a picture of your x-rays? Isn't that a... The, the people listening on podcast can't see the picture, but let's verbally go over. You don't need to be a radiologist to see that that image doesn't look right. The... Lady, I talked to somebody today trying to get him in and at the fracture clinic, get him in today. Yeah. And, and she said, oh, the, they'd have to look at the film. And I said, lady, a checker at Safeway could see that's dangerous. Exactly. It's, it's displaced. And yes. So the proximal end has this really pointy thing. Yes. And there are some fairly sensitive vascular structures in that neighborhood right about here. Yep. And then the other end is here, and there's a fragment in the middle. Yeah. We changed Kevin's tickets and hotel to Danielle is going. Nice. Staying here. I'm switching from a fracture protocol to a post-op protocol. Yep. Probably going to blow off my attorney tomorrow morning and go with Kevin to his doctor's appointment so he doesn't let them blow him off. Yes. Every patient needs an advocate. And there's Kevin. Come Sorry. on, Kevin. Let me see. Oh, I was just adjusting stuff. There you go. Come on. You can stand over here. See anything? I just got the brace on. Yeah. And we he wouldn't wear the sling because the sling made his back hurt. So we put a traction belt around his upper arm so at least it wouldn't move. And it lets him be a little Tyrannosaurus with his left. Fortunately, it's his left arm, not his right arm. Can you yes. And the it's 18 and 62 would have been nice, but we didn't get his custom care reprogrammed until Monday. Kevin. Thank you. See, it's not just me. That's what happens when you do it on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not going to say anything. Thank you. That's I've been really fairly restrained, haven't I? Well, I didn't think it was that bad since I was able to ride my bike home. <laughs> He rode his bike home after it happened. Then he got in his truck and drove himself left, right-handed, drove himself to the emergency room. 
And the emergency room said, here's a sling and three days worth of opiates. Awesome. He, he doesn't have a GP. Uh, and therefore. Okay. So I have to, I have to fill you in on my side of the Kevin story. Okay. I think I had mentioned it last weekend, but I've started this side podcast, FSM Sports Game Changers. I have a tickle in my throat just when I had to talk. Hang on, pause. Why do you have your earphone in your ear? I'm back. Okay. Back. I muted myself. Oh, it's still there. It's still there. So Kevin has been helping me with certain things because we all need a Kevin when it comes to life. I've noticed. So tech stuff. <laughs> well, so and live stuff. So I'm I'm texting, I'm just pulling up my phone so I can see exactly that how it went through. And I said, Kevin did his magic, helped me out. I said, okay, you need to invoice me for your time. Because what would take me two days probably took him two hours, but I still want to help Kevin and know that I appreciate his help. Kevin's not replying. So I keep like sending it, you, you need to do this. And finally, I'm like, forget this. I texted Danielle, I'm going to send Kevin a gift certificate, whether he likes it or not, or I'm going to send him a, a brown paper bag full of cash. Just tell me where to, what I should do. Danielle says, send him something from Apple. He loves all things Apple. Perfect. This is easy. So I sent him this and I'm not hearing like the emails not being opened. I'm not getting a text. Thank you, Kim. I'm getting a little worried. Kevin sends me a picture. I'm a little sidetracked right now. And he sends me a picture of this bike. Okay. He's building a bike. And then it goes black for a bit. And then I send him a screenshot of the gift card. I'm like, let me know if you didn't get this. Cause maybe things get lost somewhere. Yeah. I had some issues actually getting the gift certificate formulated for some reason. Apple didn't, didn't trust me. I had to answer a phone call why I was sending Kevin a gift card. Apple strange. Weird. So Kevin writes back. I said, did you get this? I send the screenshot. He's like, Oh, you didn't need to do that. Thank you. And then I get a picture of his x-ray. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, and what's really interesting is we couldn't, I ordered the x-ray Monday morning. Yes. Because we couldn't get the x-ray from Peace Health that they did on Friday. So I don't know what state it was in on Friday and whether it displaced more over the weekend. But when I got the film back on Monday morning, he brought this, or Tuesday morning, he brought the CD in and we put it in at the clinic I'm yeah like you said you don't need to be uh, captain obvious can see this x-ray very clearly (laughs) no offense to the checkers at Safeway but you a parking lot attendant could look at this and say that's not like the other one right there shouldn't be a little pointy thing and yes okay so (sighs) those of you that are coming to London we get the matinee cast of Kevin which is Danielle and everybody needs an understudy. Yep. I haven't done a seminar with <clears throat> Kevin since 2016. So this is my maiden voyage. You're going to be just great because Danielle is just great. Danielle's awesome. She knows, Kevin says she knows what to do and I'm, it's going to be fine. You just show on, put up, show up, put on a microphone and everybody's excited and fine. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I'm a little jealous. I love London. 
it's actually the only place on the planet to buy a bra that fits. I'm just telling you. It's called Rigby and Peller. And it's Rigby and, Rigby and Peller. And it's across the street from the food court at Harrods. And that's... Anyway. Okay. Talk about a random useless factoid. I'm a little distracted. I'm actually full of random useless factoids. For those of you who remember Cheers, my nickname in high school and college used to be Cliff Clavin because I used to remember random things. But if you're ever playing Trivia Pursuit, I'm telling you, you want to be my partner. So I'm sure there's questions and answers. But the first question we are going to answer as Mm -hmm. a group today is actually your question that I woke up to this morning on my text message. Oh. Let's talk about your shoulder and your sleep. Oh, yeah. That's really weird. In the no, daytime? No it's, pain. It's not weird. And okay, you have good. your, because you are, you have your patient hat on now. You don't have your clinician hat on. Even with my clinician hat, I couldn't figure it out. Okay. So sometimes it's really obvious. And I'm going to be Captain Obvious for a second because we all need that person to just thank you uh, spill some stuff out. And you've probably already thought about this, but I okay. would like to hear why you are rejecting these ideas before what? you ask the question. Ideas. The ideas I'm going to tell you that are so obvious. Okay, Okay. so for the rest of the class, the note says, any idea why my shoulder is pain-free and functional in the daytime at work, but wakes me up at night with a seven to eight out of 10 twice at night. I sleep on my back, same as always. All right, class, let's discuss. Okay, a couple different factors are at play here. As we know, during the day when you are moving, what does the joint get? Circulation, oh, lubrication. Blood flow. Does that happen at nighttime? Yeah, blood doesn't, your heart doesn't stop pumping. My heart rate goes down to 58, but, or 50. But when you don't move your joint, there is a, like, there is a lot of hypoxic changes that happen to any uh-huh. joint. It's just like people okay. who wake up with, like, random joint pain or leg pain as soon as they wake up but in an hour or so after they get moving things start to feel better when heat circulation all that stuff comes so that's one in my defense i sleep with a thermocore on my chest yes given the meth yes instructions i move the thermocore up onto my right shoulder and i turn it on, heat it up, and then I go back to sleep. But as external applied heat, is not the same as the joint lubrication and all the good things that happen when we have movement? Okay, cool. I'll go with that. Okay. The other thing is more of a biochemistry explanation, right? At night, the body releases less cortisol. Yeah, but it As it turns out, the first half of the night is all the growth hormone because that's your stage four sleep. So it's repair yourself. Totally. But when you have less cortisol, that increases inflammation. So your joint has a lot of different things going on with it. Everything was pretty much torn and broken. And then we were like, yay, the labrum's okay. But- You still had like degeneration in on that joint surface, which needs lots of movement and lubrication to convince your nervous system that it's okay. 
and it's okay to move it. And there's one more factor yes. besides the mechanical factor, because I'm fairly neurocentric. Yes. Because of the C5, 6 and C6, 7 fusions that happened on the right. Yes. There's a fair amount of foraminal encroachment, 5, 6 and 6, 7. Right. And the pain feels like it's in the bone. And yeah. for those of you that see patients where they say it's in the bone, it's nerve pain. So when I sleep, because of the mechanics on this side, if I tilt my head to the right, it compresses the five, six nerve root. And what I'm waking up with is nerve pain. So all three things could be happening. It could be positional. For sure. So wake up and take 300 milligrams of gabapentin and two ibuprofen and go back to sleep. Right. <laughs> and you're right. When I get up and go to the bathroom, take the pills, go back to bed, then the pain levels back down to a respectable three or four. I had a patient yesterday. This is interesting. I had a patient yesterday and I said, any day when my pain is less than a three or four is that's a good day. A three or four is distracting. Anything above a four is distracting. Yeah. But <clears throat> I live between a two and a four. I'm 70. I'm 76 on Friday. Huh? I know you are September okay. two. I know. And it's, it, yeah, it's, there's two parts to pain. One is how much it actually hurts. And the other is how much you mind it. So for some patients, I separate that for them. And right. It's, okay. Your pain is not actually an 11 because you would be curled up on the floor moaning. So you mind it an 11. If you had to take out how much you mind it, what would it be actually? Oh, it's a seven or an eight. Okay. Right. That's usually nerve pain. So interesting. This is not, you I love statistics to back up all the things as you. Of course. So part of why we have increased pain at nighttime when we're sleeping is some of the same reasons why we have increased anxiety and depression at nighttime. When the day is done, our brain is at rest. Like you said, all the distractions that you have are now gone. Your brain has nothing to think about other than the squeaky wheel, which is inside your shoulder. And because you love what you do, it doesn't surprise me that the pain drops considerably almost to a like mildly annoying level because you love what you do. And right? the, the other piece of that is goes back to Melzack and wall and the pain gate theory. Yes. So when you're up and walking around, you have ascending proprioception, you pick up a glass, you play with the mouse, you do whatever, and you have ascending proprioceptive and sensory input that literally compete with the pain messages going in the ascending tracks in the spinal cord. So it's all of the above. Totally. So there you go. To back up something, because I, I, you're I not. Li- I can I make, tell. I make little show notes, right? So I do have to get things out. <laughs> yeah. 
So a very new study, and I will give this to Kevin to post in the show notes if you want to read it. It was just done in 2020, found that online searches for information about pain management peaked considerably between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. So that's great. And that, but we need people sleeping between 10 and 2 because that's when all the repairing is happening. So these, so this is like that cycle that I have a picture of it for the sports course is one of the number one reasons why I promote an athlete to buy a custom care has very little to do with injury management. It has everything to do with sleep management. So we talked about this, I think on the very first podcast was if you could program a custom care with three things, if you're going to a deserted island, what are you putting on there? You ask any FSM practitioner worth their salt and concussion protocol is going to be on there because concussion in Vegas or concussion in sleep. Correct. So I have to be careful running concussion in Vegas with my athletes in season. So they obviously get both, but if you can get somebody to sleep and to sleep well, that is going to take care of any injury and any illness. It's not going to take care of it, but it is going to be the number one complimentary thing you can do to promote wellness and healing. Have to sleep. But if you're in pain, you're not sleeping. And if you're not sleeping, you're going to be in pain. So it's playing whack-a-mole, right? Until you can whack them all. Yes. And there's, I had a patient that said, I really want to get off. She's taking five milligrams of Ambien since menopause. And I said, yeah. So what's your problem? I want to get off that. It's like, why? I don't care what else you do. You have to sleep. Yes. melatonin, whatever it takes. You just don't even worry about that. Oh, okay. Totally. There's, I had the most fascinating patient this week. Are we almost done? Yeah. The list is very malleable today. So of course, go ahead. This patient came in with a fascinating history, played high school football, Mm -hmm. took a bunch of hits, qualified for the, one of the military academies, Mm -hmm. If anybody has watched any television show or has talked to anybody who's been through West Point, Annapolis, or the Air Force Academy, you know what your plea beers, you know what PEPT is like for the four years, plus all of the stress, plus all of the lack of sleep, plus all of that. And then he was active military for two years, and then he went to work in his family business. And he has all this body pain and pain in his chest. And somebody told him it was caustic chondritis and it's, it's never caustic chondritis. And he had, okay. So we, I did a sensory exam. This has been, he's 26. So this has been, well, since before he went into the academy, but especially after his second year or so. Nobody had done a sensory exam. He's seen chiropractors, MDs, and God bless his nurse practitioner who ordered a full spine MRI, C-spine, thoracic, and lumbar. And I did his reflexes. I did a sensation. And he's numb from T4 to T8 on both sides. And it's, and he said, and I have 
all this anxiety and I'm sure it's emotional. And because they couldn't help him, people told him that it was emotional and he should work on himself that way. He's also not sleeping because in Ayurvedic medicine, us Pitta people, if you're up past 9.30, you're good till 2 a.m. That's how I got through chiropractic college. That's how he got through the academy. Okay, so we treated the nerve pain. He has lumbar discs and facets, so we treated those. He has C-spine stuff, treated those, Turned his, did concussion in Vegas. And then the second visit, I had the MRI results. He has disc bulges from T4 to T8. And the one at T7 extrudes upwards three millimeters and downwards two millimeters. And he said, and I'm always so anxious. It's duh, your sympathetic nerves are in the thoracic. So instead of running 40 and 396, or actually in addition to running 40 and 81 and quiet the inflammation and increase secretions in the nerve, I ran quiet the sympathetics he fell asleep on the table mm. and he said, what has that got to do with it? Because his, I think his degree was in nuclear physics. He has a very orderly mind. So I explained to him that the sympathetic nerves are all there in the thoracics. Yeah. They're right there. And you have disc herniations all in that area, which cause inflammation, which increase the sympathetic stress. So that's what we did. We worked on the, he's got two disc bulges in his neck, one at C2, three, two at five, six, and six, seven, four or five bulges in the thoracic spine and facets and discs in the lumbar spine. And he came in with one of the Chinese devices that's pre-programmed with absolutely nothing that he needed. But he bought it, he paid $2,500 for it. That's another conversation. I customized his custom care. He said, I have an aunt that'll buy this. So he left with a custom care that was programmed for him. Yeah. And there's concussion in Vegas and concussion and sleep are the top three. And then nerve pain, quiet the sympathetics, low back pain and neck pain. And he was so excited. Number one, he came in with his pain at an eight. And after four sessions, he left it at two. And the important part about custom cares for athletes, it's to have doc in the box. But for pain patients, the studies show that the most important thing for pain patient is to have control and autonomy, self-regulation of their state. I would say that is almost, the longer I've been in this business, I would say that is equally as important to my athletes because they have little to no control over their lives. Whether they get a paycheck, whether they get another year, whether they get fired for having a bad game, how fast they recover from the said injury that they have. Yeah. Yet it is that and that piece of equipment that is customized for them specifically. It is not some junky randomized program that 
is a one size fits all because it is never a one size fits all. You and I know that more than I know that my left foot is on my left leg. Like you said, just to, you can see people who those chronic pain patients who have so much anxiety about their pain or so much despair about their pain and hopelessness. It doesn't, cause they're one or the other, right? Chronic pain patients are either have so much anxiety and energy about what's going on or they're defeated. And then you give them the custom care that is based on your diagnosis, your experience, the patient's history, all the things, and you have nowhere to go but up. There's going to be a change. That's absolutely. And the other thing about this young man is after hearing about the number of concussions that he had in high school and some of the, just some of the things going on with him, I gave him the Brain Injury Visual System Symptom Questionnaire, the BIVSS we got from Dr. Resky, the 18. A score of 18 is predictive that your visual system is compromised either by a brain injury or vestibular injury. Score was 35 out of 18. And he said, what does that mean? And I said, when I look at you, you're right eye is straight and your left eye is this way. And if you guys look at me, if I look straight into the camera, wherever that is, my left eye is straight and my right eye is inward by about five degrees because of the Meniere's that's in my right ear. I put my prism glasses on and my eyes are straight and all of the tension in my neck goes away. It's easier to read. It's easier to balance all of those things. So he now has hope. The first thing I did on the first day was 40 and 10 and 40 and 89 because he was centrally sensitized and spinal cord sensitized because of disc bulges at all three levels that there are discs plus the brain injuries. So by the time you finish the core seminar, and by the time you look at the video of Dr. Resky's presentation, you have all of the information you need to save, well, to change and save somebody's life. It's, I, it's the most fun, even if I get home at nine o'clock at night. So there we go. You're that Ayurvedic person, so you don't need to be sleeping before nine, apparently. I also, or you have to be, right, before, I, before nine or... Yeah, I have a dog at home and I don't have a family to feed and I don't have two dogs and three kids and all of that. So all the chaos in my house. Yeah. Yeah. But yours is happy chaos. It is happy chaos. I like your happy chaos. It was fun. I want to talk about sleep a little bit more. And then we've got a whole bunch of questions in the Q&A. It looks like sleep and hope and sleep. So I think going back to all the questions that we get in and all the emails that we get and practitioners are, are worried about where to start and what did I miss? And I think at the, we have to remember that at the very barest minimum, we are going to give a patient hope. We are going to give them our experience and our unique tool that we have to help them. And don't feel the pressure that you have to take everybody off of 
all the meds that they're on or to get rid of all their parasites or do you know what I mean? Because I think that's what happens. We have a lot of frequencies. We have a lot of options. We have a lot of things that we get to work on with patients, but it doesn't all have to be solved and mitigated in treatment number one. Twice a week for four to six weeks. And that's for people that have two or three machines. And I, because of the weird kind of practice I have, I can talk about doing all this stuff at one time because I have six machines on one patient for 60 to 90 minutes. So I get two months worth of work done in one session and not everybody has that often. And and not everybody has your brain in their head. and so mileage. don't discount that part. And it's a lot of it is just mileage. Keep learning about how everything is connected. That's the thing I love about the podcast. Yeah. Over and over every single week. It is you have to you do this, but the first thing you do is what bothers the patient that drives you crazy is the one that comes in with a laundry list. Yeah. Everything that ever happened to them in their lives is whoa. Let's have a pain diagram. And the other thing that it's just a rule because every time I have broken this rule, I get nailed. And that is do a physical exam. It's like the sensory exam and reflexes at least, and then range of motion in the C-spine, especially. And then that's the minimum if for almost any pain patient, because you're going to find things that you can treat right? that nobody else has looked for. Right. This, this, I've had at least three patients this week that between last Wednesday and now, and I did a sensory exam, range of motion and reflexes. One of them was an MD. And it's, I get through all that and it's, you're 71 and you have plus two reflexes at your Achilles and you have plus three reflexes. So th- plus two is a normal reflex out of four. Plus three is hyper, four is clonus. It just bops and it shouldn't bop. A 72 year old female should not have, there should not be any Achilles reflex in somebody that's older than 65 or 70. It's the first one that goes well. It's the only thing I remember from geriatrics <laughs> is no Achilles reflex and a dampened patellar reflex. And even the patellar reflex should be gone at my age. Hmm. So if you have a normal or hyperactive patellar reflex in a 70 year old, that's not right. And not everybody that's listening has taken geriatrics right. from the guy that I took geriatrics from who was a chiropractor. And it's, that's interesting. I wonder what's wrong. And then you say, and I wonder what's wrong with your neck. And she said, excuse me. So then you do the sensory exam and you find out it's. You should do a sensory and reflex webinar and we should have it on for people to just look at and purchase because it is, I do a very comprehensive range of motion, but not everybody has the biomechanics to at least troubleshoot what you're finding. It's one thing to identify it, but something like a sensory and reflex exam is fairly quick and can really help hone in on what's happening centrally. Yeah. In all your spare time. It was in, when I get back, 
it, there, there were at least three patients I should have videotaped in <clears throat> our treatment room and I just didn't push the button and I didn't get a photo release. So it's my bad. I'll do it when I get home and I'm not so crazy, but it was so intimidating when I was a chiropractic student to see Ron LeFay was the instructor's name, do a complete neurophysical exam, including all of the cranial nerves in under 15 minutes. Stop. It was terrible. It was like, I'm doomed. I'll just shoot me now. But sensory and reflexes and range of motion, at least in the C-spine, I don't know how to do the kind of biomechanical exam you do of the shoulder, but I just do basics. And then there's a low back physical exam and there's a book. It's green Hoppenfeld. Yeah. For Hoppenfeld. Yeah. That's like the basics. If you want to know how to do a physical exam, you can, I'm sure get it on Amazon. It's Hoppenfeld yeah. and it's simplified, good pictures, really not scary stuff. And then yeah. Sensory exam is a pizza cutter. It's a little yeah. wheel. Yeah. And, and even if you don't know where it's going back up, you can compare bilaterally and you can at least have something for the patient to be like, oh, that was numb. And now it's really prickly. Why is that? That's great. Super. It'll get normal right away. <laughs> and, yeah, and there's sharp, dull, and icky. Yeah. And male humans look at you and go icky. And it's, you'll know it when I get there. Yeah. And so it's, ooh, that's sharp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then that tells you when a nerve goes, a nerve is normal. It should yeah. just feel the little prickles and that's yeah. it. Then it becomes hypersensitive as it becomes more and more inflamed. And then as it gets more and more inflamed, it gets numb. When you treat it with inflammation in the nerve, it goes from numb to hyper. And then sometimes you can stay on just 40 and 396 inflammation in the nerve and it'll go back to normal. Or sometimes you have to do increased secretions. And so there's that. Right. Yes. I love our tools. I love our tools. We have a bunch of questions I want to get to because that is an important part of tuning in live is getting your questions answered. Cynthia's occupied Cynthia's a lot back. of this. Cynthia's cooking for questions here. Okay. Is there a specific order to be used when doing one frequency in a succession of tissues, deep to superficial in order of function structure? Please comment. I have an hour of this in the sports course, actually. That's my whole lasagna slide that we do right before lunch, but I'll let you go first. It's like you go superficial, the deeper, deeper to superficial. Depends on the pathology, depends what's wrong with it. Exactly. That's the way I go. It's for me, it's palpation. So you put your hand on it and you put your fingers on it and being, I never cease to be grateful for being a chiropractor, even though I'm a terrible chiropractor. I'm a terrible chiropractor because I don't think about joints as being the problem. I'm neurocentric. Mm. So you palpate and you know something about biomechanics. And so, for example, my patient had his knee replaced, but he still stands up and is 
knee swells a bit and it gets really sore. There's 13 bursa at the knee and it's like, I can treat your knee, but your knee's not the problem. And he said, excuse me? So I said, look at your feet. Okay. And his left foot with the knee replacement is flatter than his right foot. So he overpronates that internally rotates. Then held his pelvis down, took his hip up and tried to internally rotate his hip. And it's five degrees. Okay, when you have arthritis in your hip, the first motion that you lose is internal rotation. But why did you lose internal rotation? So I treated the joint capsule, the cartilage. He's got a 59-year-old hip. So you treat the joint capsule, the cartilage, the nerve, the bursa, torn and broken in the piriformis where it attaches at the trochanter. And then you take the adhesions out in the pectineus and the brevis and the nerve. And at the end of that, he had, I don't know, 25 degrees of internal rotation and a prescription and note to go get arch supports, super feet and done. His knees right. fine. So yeah, there's no, there's never a templated go superficial, deep and superficial. Why is the muscle reacting? So we used to be really simplified. Do you remember how we used to teach what is wrong is on A, where is it occurring on B? But before you can even get to A and B, you have to ask yourself, why is this condition happening in the very first place? So to your point, a muscle is going to splint to protect a joint that is diseased or has a pathology. So the muscle will never let go unless the joint is identified first. So anything to do with cartilaginous breakdown or like in the case of shin splints, right? The periosteum is traumatized, right? That sheath is pulling off. So the muscles of tib anterior, the posterior compartment is going to react to that. You could treat 13 and 77, like adhesions in the muscles till the cows came home, the pain is never going to go down. Those muscles are never going to relax because they're in spasm because the periosteum is inflamed. So you've, or it's torn and broken in the case of, yeah. So arthritic changes, joint pathology, you have to go deep to superficial, but our dear friend, Charles Polkin put be in my ear many years ago about the fascia around hamstrings. So it was a training article that he had written forever ago about muscle hypertrophy. So the muscles in the hamstrings sometimes have a really hard time growing because the fascia that is around these muscle fibers and the muscle bundles itself can be genetically very tough. So if there is a way to increase the flexibility in the fascia, the muscles tend to hypertrophy. So the same thing can apply. If you're if you really are working on the muscle and yes, sometimes it is the muscle or whatever, it's just, you have to, it's not the cause, but sometimes you have to treat it. And you know that because we treated your shoulder. Yeah. So if you're, if you might have to go superficial and release adhesions in the adipose or in the fascia before you can go deeper and release something deeper or adhesions well, in the nerve or in the, in the hamstrings, especially the right. The cerebellum is not going to let them get any bigger if the sciatic nerve, which runs right down the middle, is adhered 
to the fascia. So yes, again, there's that. So there's never an order. The order depends on your diagnosis. And I really wish we could make it simpler. I had one just this week. The lady had terrible back pain. That was her thing. And her problem was that she had a kidney that had a, an artery that was twisted and scarred and they went up and they went in and they cut the scar tissue and blah, blah, blah. So she had this left kidney thing. And it's so I palpated both sides and her right side was really tighter. And I said, what did you do for sports in high school? Oh, I skied, I water skied. And I said, did you have any times when you fell flat on your back? Oh, all the time. So I treated interQLs and psoas were like bricks. Yep. And her right side was actually tighter than the left. So treated, I said, do the scarring in your left kidney did not come from space. They what use that phrase you, all the time. I know. What if you fell flat on your back, bruised your kidney, that created scar tissue that just happened to wrap glue two arteries together. Yeah. So I treated scarring in the kidney, sclerosis in the fat pad, scarring in the ureter and the bladder, and her whole right side became pain-free. Then we went up and we treated the left side hmm. and did the same thing, scarring the kidneys, scarring in the arteries, scarring in the ureter, all that. But then there's this other part. This is the other piece of, I think I do it in the core now. It's why the core is five days and really awful is she has a three, four, four millimeter aortic aneurysm. That's a good word. And, and She's on one blood pressure medication and she has this thing in her kidneys. Nobody has tested her renin. Nobody has tested what other, that other thing is that comes from the kidneys that makes you have hypertension. Nobody's tested those blood work things. And she thinks she snores and it's, you're getting a sleep study because this is what happens. And that was when I flipped from Dr. Carol to Dr. Mom. It's like, you don't get to die in your sleep on my watch. No. So we're doing a study as soon as I get back. So that whole promise of sleep thing, that mm-hmm. book, talk about what sleep apnea does. Yeah. It's, it's, that's the only thing I teach in that and the vestibular information. Mm-hmm. I think teach in the core that will save somebody's life yep. sorry went off and so for her yep. to treat the muscle i had to treat the kidney and the scarring because as you said the cerebellum is not going to let you move a muscle that's glued to something vital yeah never yeah. next question yeah sorry <clears throat> do you use the p care i guess that's the old picture with each change of frequency or do it on the fly. Same with alternating and polarized positive. Oh, the loss of the pain care just kills me. It was supposed to be the software platform for a whole generation of devices. And then the 
engineer passed away, which was yeah. fortunate. Uh, with the oh, P care would be precision care. Sorry. Yeah. Precision care, I change them on the fly for everything except the vagus and the midbrain. So if I'm changing on the fly with the midbrain, I don't want to go th- take a chance on getting stuck where I'm going to go through 81 and 89, 40 and 109. No, I same with alternating polarized positive. I don't pause it. I just change it on the fly because it takes you the frequencies cycle every two and a half seconds. So you can push those buttons in two and a half seconds. That's yeah. easy. Same person. So when using 81 and 49 directed to several tissues, do you move through all the tissues with 89 first and then 49 or keep the tissue the same and increase secretions and vitality before going to the next tissue? I'm assuming 89 is a typo. So 81 first, then 49. I do increase secretions as long as it's appropriate to increase secretions in that tissue. Right. Oh, I see. Oh, wait, let me go back. I just read the rest of the question. No, I go through all the pathologies and then at the very end, I'll do increased secretions and vitality on the tissue that needs it the most. That's, and how do you do it? Yeah. After talking with Ben Catholi, he loves to use 49 first. He's, he tends to try that one first and then give it some 81. I think it depends. Sometimes I'll splice in. I have this very strong love affair with 49 and 142. I love it almost as much as I love 94 and 94, actually. I like 81 so, and 142. It makes everything fluffy. Yeah. But 49 makes it like yummy. I don't know. It's just a whole other experience. I'll hover between the two. I think it depends. Sometimes you just instinctually or intuitively know it needs 81. But I don't think there's ever anything wrong with running 49 on a tissue, especially after you've worked on it, especially when you've done scarring on it. Um, Yummy again. Yummy. Yummy. It was just, it is. It's just close your eyes. Yummy. Hopefully that answered it. Alf writes blood calcium levels can also decrease at night. Also, depending upon the position of the arm, there can be stresses upon certain tissues for sure. You think you do a pretty good job though at night, right? Like supporting your own shoulder. Believe it or not. I went downstairs. I used to sleep with this bearer all the time just to give my, so my hands wouldn't go numb. And it was down with George downstairs. So I went down on his dresser it, it, down the where he used to be and brought the bear up and put it on my chest and I bring my arm up and just prop yeah. it there so good. that I keep it in the right position. But that's a good blood calcium levels in position for sure, especially with the shoulder. And I know it's hard when we go to sleep. We don't always tend to stay in the same position, but okay, go ahead. For with Cynthia's other question. Yeah. Um, Is there an established protocol for Peronis? I've treated it. And actually, I treated it successfully. It's in the advanced. And I feel like we had somebody else on the podcast talking about, we talked about this. Yeah, it's like there's scar tissue in the penis. And the penis, if you look at the architecture of it, there's tubes, two or three of them, that are basically fascia and blood vessels and connective tissue. And you treat for scarring. And just because of sensitivity, 
you put a contact on the patient's back, you give the patient a washcloth with two alligator clips on it and have the patient wrap it around his own penis. And as the frequencies soften the scar tissue, have him manipulate it. And then you see them with a chaperone in the room and you see them at the last patient of the day because their directions, their instructions are to go home and figure out how to try and have an erection in the next 60 minutes after you've treated them while the scar tissue is still soft. Mm. Best success I had was putting the Peroni's protocol on a custom care for a patient and he treated himself on and off for about eight months. And he said, oh yeah, it went away completely. Well, I'm just fine. So it's, yes. So there you go. All right. There's another sleep question here. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. Sleep question. I have four to five hours sleep and wakes up several times in the middle of the night. Use relax and balance concussion in Vegas. One of the sleep protocols you have within 15 to 30 minutes. I will fall asleep, but will be awake after three to four hours. Going back to sleep was hard. Attempted to repeat the sleep protocol, but still the same. Any recommendations for frequencies to make a long lasting effect? I take 20 milligrams melatonin, but still has short term effects. So when you're doing, yeah, I'll let you talk, but I want to just mention what, no, I'm not going to go first, but I just want to mention one thing when we're asking patients about sleep, I think it's really important to say, tell me about your sleep, not do you sleep well? Because everybody's going to say, yeah, I do. And then you can extrapolate more. Do you have any trouble falling asleep? Nope, not at all. Okay. But do you have any trouble staying asleep? Because you have a lot of people that'll crash easily, but then this person will wake up after a few hours and they're wide awake. So I'll let you interject. No, that's, that is absolutely where you start. But the other thing is if the patient is male, you need to test their testosterone levels. You need to do salivary cortisol. If it's female, you need to, basically you have to test hormones in everybody when it comes to sleep. GABA is essential for deep sleep. So the normal cycles of sleep or the deep sleep occurs early in the night. The REM sleep is later. I wear this little aura ring and it is the best feedback for sleep. The challenge that you have if this patient gets to sleep at midnight, but has to get up at seven o'clock in the morning is that you've already passed the time of night where you could get deep sleep. The deep sleep happens first, REM sleep happens last. And the continual waking, the first thing I would do on this patient is hormones and a sleep study. So if you have sleep apnea, you're going to wake up because your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, your everything goes up and your stress levels go up. So you wake up and you just think you're snoring and you just think you're waking up. So if you, so it's why when I built the clinic, I finally bought a watch pad. Mm -hmm. The patient needs blood work. 20 milligrams of melatonin is hard to absorb. And the people that give you capsules are, I don't know what they're thinking because it's not absorbed that way. Mm. It needs to be sublingual Mm. or liquid. 
Mm -hmm. or I actually have a doctor that's prescribed what I consider a high dose in a topical with Mm -hmm. ETA as a carrier. Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah. So 20 milligrams of melatonin prevents cancer, promotes deep sleep, 5-HTP, helps. And then we looked up what supports REM sleep and believe it or not, it's phosphatidylcholine, acetylcholine and GABA. So GABA is also best absorbed by chewing. It's liquid. It's really difficult to absorb it gastrically. It just doesn't happen. So I use pharma GABA from designs for health because they're chewable and I chew them a lot keep them in my mouth and then swallow them. And you combine GABA with taurine because GABA and taurine help synergistically. The taurine helps the GABA activate and do its thing. But that's the vagus is helpful because it decreases the inflammatory neurotransmitter that GABA opposes whose name keeps falling out of my brain, starts with a G. Anyway, that, so concussion in Vegas is a good thing to run before you go to sleep. Okay, that was very comprehensive. We're running out of time, but I want to get to Alf. Yes. Get out. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, No, this is, this was good. I wanted to hover around sleep today and it organically brought us back there. Let's get to Alf's question though. I have been treating a patient for two months who had a stroke likely that affected the left Broca three area and left motor cortex originally had difficulty moving right arm hand unstable walking and speech deficit using the concussion and Vegas protocol brain fog on custom care and using the precision care for forebrain cerebellum have helped a great deal. Awesome. Use of right side of body is close to normal. Speech is almost normal. He at times has difficulty recalling the correct name for an object or coming up with the right word in a conversation. Any suggestions for these deficits? Wow. Alf. Way to go. And overachiever. Yeah. As always. Forebrain and the sensory and motor cortex is the other thing, but for the words, I'd try the temporal lobe. Mm. It's not a frequency that I have a great deal of confidence in. It's I don't have a lot of data about whether it's correct or not, but I have one temporal lobe patient had a temporal lobe stroke and that his primary deficit was the inability to recall words. And it's a speech center. So you could try the temporal lobe. I don't remember the frequency for it. It was one George scanned for. So I don't, it might help, but way to go with the rest of it. That's awesome. I can't believe it's four o'clock already. It is four. And like I said, I have a couple of just brief announcements because you okay. are not going to be with me for the next three weeks. Yeah, I know. So I'm on my own. Well, We're looks like Kevin's gonna be here though. Oh yeah. Part of it. Yeah, that's the hardest part is doing that tech stuff on my own. It's just so funny. I had about 14 timers going off that all said press record because that happened once I interviewed somebody for my own podcast and I, I didn't hit record. So we had to redo the whole thing. And that wasn't fun to automatically record anytime that we do one. It's, it just, it's a setting on zoom. I know I'm going to do that right now, but a lot of times I sit down and I like 
make sure that everything looks good. And I don't want to record that stuff. And so I hit pause and anyways, it's a thing. So you are not going to be here. So next week on the 7th, I am going to do a little micro webinar if I don't get the guests that I want. So when I had Peter twist on, when you were gone, he had to come on late. So I was started to give like a sprained ankle talk that I had done for a webinar during COVID. <clears throat> if anybody else has any other suggestions that they want me to add to the little webinar, I'm going to have slides if I don't have the guests. So there'll be a little like interactive podcast that I will verbally explain for the auditory people that get to it on the podcast portion. So if you have any suggestions, email me at Kim at fsmsports365.com. I do have a lot of material. I just want to make sure that we're keeping relevant. But the big thing is, when are you going to talk about the sprained ankles again? So that will be September 7th. On the 14th, you are going to get not only Dr. David Burke, but Ben Catholi at the same time. So it's going to be me, Dr. David Burke, and Dr. Ben Catholi. There's going to be a trifecta of amazingness oh, on the 21st. So much fun. I'm so jealous. And then other special announcement, I have to make sure that I got the dates right on this one on, no, sorry, they're coming on the 14th, Dr. David Burke and Ben Catholi. So webinar on the 7th, Dave Burke and Ben Catholi on the 14th, Dr. Jennifer Sosnowski is joining me on the 21st. So Jen is one of my most favorite humans on the planet at the advanced I've met some amazing people that after day one became like lifers, lifelong friends. So Dr. Sosnowski is a functional medicine extraordinaire in Scottsdale. And she wants to, she's, oh, I'd love to just talk about some mold and Lyme and maybe some brain dysfunction that I get to play with. I'm like, okay, that sounds fantastic to just throw on. So she's going to be joining me on the 21st and the 28th is another one. I'm not too sure if we've confirmed them. So I will announce that later, but it's going to be a month full of amazingness. I'm so excited. Not as amazing as it is talking with you, but these ones, I really have to have the train in order, but it's going to be super, super duper fun. And then the last but not least, the announcement, the FSM sports game changers podcast, we don't do it live. I record it because the coaches and the trainers that I talk to can never commit to like something live. So we do it at really wonky times, but we have four or five episodes that are leaking out slowly. So Peter twist is on there from before we have Dr. Or we have Mark Fitzgerald, which is an amazing strength coach and Tommy powers is coming on. So you can, Kevin has helped me put everything together John is asking about plantar fasciitis. I have about six slides already prepared for that. So done just because I like you so much, John, that will go in well with the ankle stuff. So we're going to do ankle and plantar fasciitis next weekend. And then, yeah, that's I'm getting, I'm like a big girl being left by myself again, (laughs) trying to make mom proud. (laughs) I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I love it. And then will you have fun in London? I will. We have probably 20 people signed up for a five-day core. Perfect. Next year, we're going to do start doing five-day cores about every other month in the U.S., as opposed to doing them every month since we now achieve sanity. And yeah, so we'll do a five-day core, and then we have three days off, and then we'll do a two-day advanced and a master class. And those all have 
nice attendance, mostly from the UK, Ireland, Germany, Austria, the Netherlands, kind of all of Europe, which is really exciting. To think that FSM started 25 years ago with 10 chiropractors and naturopathic students, and then when there were 200, I was pretty excited. My goal was to have one practitioner in each of 50 states. We now have 4,000 practitioners in 23 countries. Amazing. It's just so cool. And then to hear the stories about what they do. This is why I'm so excited that you're having these conversations with these other people because it's like little Johnny Appleseed, right? Yeah. It's so exciting. It is. It's so cool. And I, they're all amazing and brilliant, but they're all amazing storytellers and they all bring so much, like not just clinical awareness, but just personal and depth. Yeah. Like it's, that's my favorite part of the symposiums is hearing these stories, not just on the podium, but in the hallways and at lunchtime. And that's um, why you come to Phoenix is for lunch and the conversations, but it's integration and synthesis. Yeah. I love love those words. Yeah. The fact that we have tools that let us treat, oh, You've been in pain for 10 years. Okay, that's 40 and 10 and 40 and 89. Got it. Then, so it's integration. It's never just the hip. It's never just, it's never just the knee. Yeah. And synthesis, bringing it all together and being patient with yourself during the learning curve. That's the trick. Okay, my quote to end it, because I don't think I gave a quote last time because somebody wrote, Kim, you missed your quote last week, but that's just silly. So this one, this one I saw just got random and I took a screenshot of it because it hit me like when you read something and it's the pain will leave once it has finished teaching you. Oh my God. Okay. And do I get to it? So the way I make sense of the suffering, remember that, right? The way I make sense of their suffering to patients is what you have experienced comes into your life to teach you something. So let me ask you, are you more compassionate than you were 10 years ago? Oh yeah. With yourself? Oh yeah. More understanding of yourself and others? Yeah. And you point, you have to help them sometimes see what this inconvenient condition has taught them. And it's, and it's a thing I say, and all of our practitioners can say, is people don't find me by mistake. You aren't here by mistake. So if we're lucky and everything goes well and you do your homework, You get to get rid of the condition, but you get to keep the wisdom. And then your task is to figure out who you are now, that you don't have the condition, but now you're this person that you weren't, this better person that you were 10 years ago. So what? say that again, say your quote again, because it was a lot shorter than what I said. Yeah, it is. It's just like one of those little bullets that just... the. It says the pain will leave 
once it has finished teaching you. That's exactly correct. Yes, it works on so many platforms. So take that little nugget and run with it. I just love you. I love you more. So I will see you in a month, but I'm sure I'll hear, I will hear about all the things as they are unfolding. Send you text messages. I'm happy the universe gave me Kevin for a little bit longer. So if uh, we're in touch, yeah, he'll be in touch. And there'll be days when he's dark because there's- I got it. I got it. No matter what, I got it, but- He'll be fine. Yeah, it it always is. All right, everybody. Have a super duper rest of your week. Bye. Until next week. Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.